you are an entrepreneur, a professional, a speaker, or a coach, and although you've come a long way, it's time for you to take it to the next level. We've got you. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. We'll help you use authority and influencer marketing to build your business stronger and faster by publishing a book. You'll hear from guests that are thought leaders in sales, marketing, networking, communication, social media, promotion, and business leadership. Let's do it. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. And now your host, the extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder. Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. And today, oh, I'm so happy. I get to talk to someone in the publishing industry. And I love having these conversations with people who understand what publishing is about and are going to help you take your business to the next level. So today I'm welcoming Brett Ridgway, and he is a 25-year veteran of the speaking industry, and he brings a unique perspective of handling the back of the room sales. So if you have ever gone to a conference or a workshop and the speaker says, go to the back table and buy my book. Brett's the one at the back table selling the books. So he's the one with all the power. <laughs> and he has done over 150 conferences doing this, providing fulfillment services for some of the biggest names in the industry. And he speaks on many stages himself. He's the author of seven books focused on speakers, authors, information marketers, event prom- uh, promoters and is a frequent guest on Virtual Summit's podcast and at in-person events. Welcome to the show, Brett. Well, I'm so excited to be with you today, Kim. I really appreciate the invite so much. So, Brett, why don't you take a minute, introduce yourself, tell a little bit about your story. How did you come to do all of these things? Because, you know, sometimes the story is just as valuable as the teaching. Now, I know you're going to teach a lot of good stuff today, but we love to... I love to give everyone a chance to introduce themselves and just share a bit about who they are. Sure. Thank you, Kim. So, you know, it's one of those journeys that truly is a serpentine journey to get to where we are today type thing. <laughs> but actually, way back in 1995, I put up the first portal website in the plant engineering and maintenance industry. So back in those days, I, I was selling books and, and videotapes, the old VHS tapes that you and Ant were talking about the other day. And so I, I was selling products online in that particular niche, and those were aimed at plant engineers, maintenance mechanics, et cetera. And around that same time frame, I actually had a joint venture with a guy named Carl Galetti. And I would had took his old classic marketing books catalog and basically put it online again in the mid-90s. And then Carl decided to do his first internet marketing super conference back in 1999 in Las Vegas. And he called me up and asked me if I'd handle the back of the room sales table for him. And honestly, Kim, I didn't even know what back of the room sales meant at that point in time. But I hadn't, I hadn't been to Las Vegas before, so it sounded good to me. And I went out and did that for Carl. And that kind of led to a, a sideline business where we would provide the crew and in many cases, more importantly, the merchant account that could handle a large sum of money in a short period of time across, yes. multiple, across multiple speakers. And so a lot of the speakers at that first event were promoters in their own right. So we started doing the back room for more and more and more people. 
And early on in the game, back in the early 2000s, I got to know a lot of the biggest names in the industry, you know, firsthand, you know, their personal friends. And so when one of them found out that I was doing product fulfillment for my own websites, he cornered me at an event in like 2002 and said, hey, will you do some fulfillment for me? Because I don't want to do that myself. It's not the greatest use of my time. No, packing and stuffing envelopes and getting books printed and materials shipped out is boring. Yep, you got to decide what your time's worth. And if you're doing $10 an hour tasks, you're probably not going to grow a very big career as a speaker or an author at all. So you, you got to look at how you can leverage your time best. Mm-hmm. But because I was doing that and they found out that I was doing the fulfillment services for my own stuff. Again, they cornered me at an event and said, we do this for me. And so I'd been thinking about it for a while because it was kind of a natural outgrowth of all the people I had gotten to know in the industry. And I kind of already had the processes in place and developed to do that type of thing. Mm-hmm. So that's when the company speaker fulfillment services was formally put together in the early two thousands. And, you know, back in those days, Kim, it was, you know, you remember the big box package. So you'd have a home study course with, 10 DVDs and 10 CDs and three yep. big manuals. And it was all about thump value. They always talked about thump value. And I mean, that that obviously eventually phased out as more and more things got to be online. But because I was doing the back room at all those events and because I was also handling product fulfillment for a bunch of authors and speakers, I kind of had a unique perspective to get to see what they did well, what they didn't do so well, some mm-hmm. of the mistakes that they were making. And that's kind of what I've tried to share in the various books that I've written aimed at that particular niche of authors, speakers, infomarketers, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And so here it is, you know, 20 years later, Speaker Fulfillment Service is actually in the process of going through a rebranding because a lot of the clients aren't speakers anymore. And so they're going to the name of Get Ship Done as the overall brand. A couple months ago, I decided to formally depart from the company that I founded and let them do their own thing and to branch out and brand Brett Ridgway for the first time. You know, I've done a lot of speaking over the years, but it was always under the guise of the company and doing what I could to promote the company services and all that. And so, yeah, I feel like I've learned a lot along the way that could probably help some people out. And so that's why... I'm primarily playing in the uh, speaker author niche now as mm-hmm. Brett Ridgway doing some training for those particular folks. That is awesome. And I, I know what you mean by, you know, you want to make the packaging look impressive. So, you know, what can, what can you stuff in that box so that when the people open it, they go, oh, wow. And that's something that's really missing in the industry today, honestly, Kim. I mean, yeah. a lot of a lot of speakers and authors and, and information marketers have gone the digital only route. And to why that has certain benefits, it also has some disadvantages. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's so easy to be out of sight, out of mind if you're doing strictly digital stuff. Yeah. And so, I, I, you know, I think the smart marketers recognize the value of doing some offline touches, too, with their followers. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I have a good colleague, a guy named Armin Morn, who's an Internet marketing coach. And so most of his stuff is online because that's what he teaches. But also once a month, he sends a physical magazine to his members with articles that are valuable. And that's a reminder to them of the value of the content that he's bringing to them. So he stays front and center in their mind and just doesn't disappear behind, you know, the computer screen. Well, I don't know about you, Brett, but I love getting stuff in the mail. Well, you don't see a lot of it these days other than some junk mail still. But yeah, in terms of of content and things of value, it's very rare these days, honestly, Kim. Mm -hmm. But I think that's 
a way that you can stand out and be different. You know, we talk about authority marketing and how do you make yourself stand out? And yes, it does cost you to get items and mail them. But you know, if you're selling those services that are a thousand, two thousand, five thousand, ten thousand dollars, and you're spending twenty, thirty dollars, now again, you're not sending stuff out to everyone. But you know, mm-hmm. if you want to make that impression, put something in the mail that they get to open. Well, I totally agree. And I think a real key to that, Kim, is I mean, you got to track the influence on your results over time with anything yeah. that you do. But if you find out once you start a physical component that instead of hanging with you as a member for seven months, now they stay for 12 months, well, you probably came out ahead. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a matter of tracking the results and seeing what works best for you and what doesn't work. That is awesome. So, Brett, I know you've come prepared today to talk about the mistakes that authors make. And so I want to let you loose for a little bit to just share your thoughts on that, your practical hints, tips, advice, and then we'll talk about it a bit more. Sure. So, I, you know, as I've been going through this morning, Kim, thinking about what I wanted to talk about, because, you know, I wrote a, a book called Mistakes Authors Make, which a lot of this is, is, is pulled from. But, you know, there's like 50 tips in here or whatever. Obviously, we're not going over 50 tips this morning. So it's like, all right, here, you know, here's six or seven things I think that are most critical that most people don't think about if they're an author. And let's start off with, if you're like me, Kim, you'd like to go into a bookstore and browse the books on a shelf. And a lot of people obviously like to do a little bit of reading before they go to bed. But if I pick up a book at the bookstore and I look at that first chapter of that book and it's, you know, 25, 30 pages long, it's like, oh, my God, this is too much work to even get through one chapter. I, I won't buy that book. Or if I'm you know, at home and I have a book and I pick up and the next chapter is 20 or 30 pages, like, eh, maybe tomorrow or whatever. So you've got to think about it as an author, how you're going to get people to best consume your information. Yes. Now, if, if you think about, you know, you're familiar with the author, James Patterson, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And James is the master of what I call the short chapter. His chapters are two or three pages long. So the next thing you know, it's like, well, I can read three, four pages. Well, I can read three more pages. I can read three more pages. Next thing you know, you pretty much read the whole damn book because (laughs) it's short, bite-sized chunks, and it keeps you moving forward. So -hmm. when you're laying out your business book or your how-to book or whatever it is, think about the consumability. Think how you can divide those chapters down, keep them shorter so that people will want to read that next chapter and keep progressing through your book. I think chapters should be no more than five to seven pages at the most, honestly. And if you get beyond that, it's like too hard, too hard. I'm not going to do it type thing. So make it easy for people to consume your information. Also, don't just put, you know, block of text after text after text after text. What can you do in your book to break it up a little bit, whether it's call outs, pictures, graphs, something to just give the eye a break so that, again, it's not so overwhelming. And you also got to think about the age of your readers. I mean, I'm getting up there in a few years myself. And so, you know, these old eyes, you know, don't like to try to read nine or 10 point type or whatever. So make sure that you're not making it too difficult for people to, again, consume what it is you had to share. I agree. I so agree. Most of the times with my clients, the font we use is um, we actually use a size 13 font because it's actually a slightly smaller font. So instead of the traditional 12, we usually do it in a 13 and it just makes it a nice size print. It's easy to read. We add a bit of white space in there so we don't cram the, you know, the sentences together. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it makes a difference. People find the books easier to read because it is that visual. And, you know, there, there's, you know, when you talked about chapter length, 
the other thing that I got thinking about when you were talking about it, and I, I totally agree, like our books are usually anywhere from 10 to 15 pages, 15 pages, a little long, but averaging out about 10 pages. And we found that that was a good chapter length um, for our clients. But one of the things I do with my, all of my clients is we do not have humongous paragraphs. Mm -hmm. Most of our paragraphs are five lines or less. Do you get yep. the occasional one that's six and we do five lines or less. And, and when I um, bring on new writers, they have to do a writing test. And one of the things I test them on is, can they write a paragraph in five lines or less? Yeah, that, that's so important, I think, Kim. And, you know, you got to remember, when, as an author, you know, your book should be a marketing tool for you or whatever. Mm -hmm. So what are you going to do to get them through that book? Because hopefully you have back-end products and services that you're going to be offering that are your higher ticket items where the money's really made. And so if you can't get them to read that book, then the chances of them coming to you for other products and services obviously goes way, way down. So you've got to make that book as consumable as possible. Mm -hmm. And then along with that, you've got to remember that since the book is a marketing tool, you've got to drive them from that book to your website to then be able to hopefully get them on your email list and, and do some follow up marketing to them. I mean, so you need to have what we call bounce backs in the book where you drive them to your website to get, you know, another a free special report or a video or, or whatever it may be mm -hmm. that they have to opt in to receive. So then you can do that back end marketing to them. I mean, again, the, the whole key is consumability. And it's a matter of making sure that you have your ducks in a row and you're making that layout so desirable for the reader that they just go through the book in a hurry and are anxious to get back to you for other things that you may have to offer. Yes. I, you know what, when you said that, it made me think of the fact that you do not want your book to be a dry read. It's not about, it's not about, you know, putting the facts and the figures and getting the knowledge out there. It's how you get the knowledge out there. And you said consumability. You want to think of that book sort of like, you know, Okay, now not everyone likes steak or a cup of coffee, but you know, when you walk into a restaurant and you can smell the food and you can't mm -hmm. wait, you know, to get it in your mouth, that's how you kind of want to write your book. You want to write it so that when people start reading it, you know, the senses are arise and they're like, oh, I want more of this. Yeah, it's about painting a visual picture for them. It's about the, it's mm -hmm. truly about the storytelling. And the, and the more stories mm -hmm. you can incorporate into the lessons that you're trying to teach, the better the people will respond to them. And the, again, the more likely they are to consume your book because people love to read stories. So yeah. you know, if, if you're an author or a speaker, figure out what stories you can incorporate into your work that people will find interesting and, and want to consume more of what you have then. I so agree. So let's move right along, Kim. So I mentioned it, but you know, the whole key, if you're doing a how-to book or anything business related is you got to have a back-end product or service. And, you know, these needs to be things that are selling for a few hundred to a few multiple thousands of dollars, because mm -hmm. that's where the real money is for you as, as an author. I mean, selling books is great, but the chances of, of you getting on a New York Times or a Wall Street Journal bestseller list as a business book author is like, you know, this, this much. I mean, I just read a book from, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with Joe Polish or not, Kim, but. No, I haven't heard of him. He has a group called the Genius Network or whatever. And he hangs around with some heavy hitters like Richard Branson and, you know, Tony Robbins and all that. 
So he just came out with a book about relationship marketing, essentially called what, What's In It For Them. And because of the relationships that he had, he was able to get it to the Wall Street Journal bestseller, which is very impressive. Yes. But the key to that all was relationships. I mean, the yes. relationships that he built up over the years is where he was able to pull upon those resources and those relationships to help him achieve that status. So as an author, you've got to remember, it truly is as much as anything about relationships. The people mm -hmm. you know in the industry, the people that are happy to help you out because you've been of help to them. So that when you do that book launch or whatever, you have people willing to promote to their social media and their list on your behalf because you're their friend. You know, they, they enjoy you and they want to help you out out of the goodness of their heart. Now, mm -hmm. I mean, maybe you have an affiliate commission and all that stuff, and that's up to you. How do you want to structure that? But it truly is all about relationship marketing. I mean, the company that I founded, Speaker Fulfillment Services, that we talked about, was built entirely out of relationship marketing, word of mouth advertising. There was never any paid advertising done. It was meeting people at events and getting to know them face to face. Yes. And, you know, having having a drink or a meal with them type thing. And so I can still reach out to the same people today, and they're happy to help me out because of that relationship that's been established. So, mm -hmm. I mean, figure out as an author how you're going to manage those relationships and what what value can you bring to other people to help them out so that they'll want to reciprocate for you. And, and if you haven't picked it up, go out and get Joe Polish's book up on Amazon again, how to, or what's in it for them, I'm sorry. And, uh, you know, because I think that's going to become the gold standard, so to speak, on relationship marketing books, honestly. So, mm -hmm. all right. So let's talk about Amazon a little bit, Kim. You know, as, as a fulfillment company, I can tell you Amazon is one of the biggest pains in the butt to deal with that exists out there. Amen. But if you're an author, you got to be on Amazon because it's an 800-pound gorilla in the world, and it's where people are, you know, typically going to go to look to buy a book. But I'm going to tell you as an author, if you have any kind of platform developed whatsoever, you're at a speaking engagement or whatever it is, you are crazy to drive your traffic to Amazon to buy your book. Yes. Why? Why? Because it's Amazon's customer, not yours. They don't pick up the phone and say, hey, Brett, Frankie Frisch bought your book yesterday. Here's his contact information. You know, have at it in terms of follow-up marketing. Yeah, you have no idea. You have no idea who has bought your book. And that's why it's important to have those bounce facts in the book that we talked about, certainly. Yes. But again, it's Amazon's customer and not yours. And so you also... Obviously, if you're selling by Amazon versus selling it on your own website, Amazon is going to take their 45 or 55 percent cut of the sale. So you're going to make a lot less money per book and you don't have the ability to include anything with your outgoing book shipments, whether you're doing your own fulfillment or outsourcing it. Yeah. I mean, if you have a bookmark or a postcard or a sales flyer or a thank you note or something you want to include with your book, ain't happening on Amazon. I mean, it's just not going to happen. But if you're doing your own fulfillment or handling it yourself, then you have the ability to include some additional marketing materials within that book shipment that might turn them on to some other things that you have. So again, you're, you're crazy if you drive your traffic to Amazon, if you have a platform at all. Now, people will go there and look for your book, but if you have the ability to drive that traffic yourself, you should do that. I mean, maybe you can offer them author signed copies as a bonus for coming and buying it from you. Maybe you can include other bonuses or items that they can't get from Amazon if they buy the book from you. So you can get creative in how you're going to package the book, so to speak, but drive them to you. Don't drive them to Amazon. You're nuts if you do that. I so agree. I so agree. All right. So let's talk about lifetime value, Kim. So, you know, as an author, 
most people don't give any thought to what the true lifetime value of a reader is. Mm-hmm. And that's obviously all the things that they might buy from you over this over the course of your total history with them. And so you have a lot of authors who honestly, even though they have a high ticket back and eye on them, and they may be able to convert pretty well, they're afraid to give away books. And you got to remember the money isn't in the book. So if it costs you, yep. you know, two or three bucks to, you know, print a book, but you can get it in somebody's hands that's a good prospect for you that might buy your $2,000 or $5,000 product, give away books all day long. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've, we've seen a lot of these free plus shipping offers, and that's where, you know, for $7.95, you know, I'll send you my book for free. You just pay shipping and handling. Well, obviously, that's a, a self-liquidating type lead because that $7.95 is probably covering the cost of printing their book, plus their shipping costs, plus their fulfillment fee or whatever, if they're using a third-party service. But they can do that all day long because they know their back-end numbers. They know what they can convert people to at what percentage. And they, again, basically can afford to give away books all day long because they know the lifetime value of the reader. And once they can get that book in somebody's hands, they know that they're worth this amount of money or this amount of money over time to them. So don't be afraid to give away books and definitely recognize what the lifetime value of your potential reader is. You know, one of the things that I teach in my book, Author to Authority, is, and that this is very low tech, okay, because... Not everyone can do the websites and the funnels and all that. But I tell my clients, send people copies of your book. But when you do, you now have their contact information. And, you know, you do. You can even do it old school. You know, when I send out books to my clients, I'm, I'm working on the tech part. But when I do send out books, I usually wait a week or so or two weeks if I'm shipping to the United States because I'm in Canada. And I'll give them a call. And you know why I give them a call to ask them if they got the book. But, of course... You know, I'm going to ask them about the book, what they've read, what they've enjoyed, what they've gotten out of it. It leads into a conversation and that person's now a potential lead that I can talk to about, hey, are you interested in writing a book? So even old school, not not even including the tech part, which I recommend. But if you can't do the tech part, still send out those books because you've generated a lead that you can now contact. Yeah. And then the key with any business success, obviously, Kim, is the follow up. I mean, yes, mm. relationship marketing is important, but if you don't follow up with any of those relationships, what's the point? So, yeah. you, you know, you got to do that follow up in, in some form or the other. So, you know, I mean, definitely, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Now, we talked on this a little bit, Kim, but that's, you know, what's your time worth as an author? And you got to determine what that number is. So, if that's $10 an hour, 20, 50, 100, 500, 1,000, whatever it may be, you've got to determine what things you should have on your plate to do and what things you should turn over to somebody else to do, whether it's outsourced, hiring an employee, buying a new piece of software, whatever it may be. But I mean, you've got to figure out how you can amplify your time and leverage things as best as possible. If you truly want to build your business. I mean, I have colleagues who, for whatever reason, you know, they love to go take their orders down to the post office and fight traffic in the afternoon to deliver the orders because it gives them a break from their work day. That's what they want to do. Great. I mean, I have other colleagues that their time is probably worth a thousand dollars an hour, but they love to do graphics. So they do all their own graphics for their website still because it's an enjoyment to them. And that's that's great if that's what you want to do. But you got to remember that that's time that you're not, you know, applying to something else that maybe only you can do, whether it's 
delivering a speech or writing that next piece of content or whatever it may be. So you got to figure out what you can outsource, what you can hand off to others so that you can truly wrap up your business. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where it's, it's hard for a lot of people to let certain things go. And if you're just starting out, yeah. I understand the, the need to do it yourself. But you'll figure it out pretty much, hopefully pretty quickly, that if you're doing $10 an hour tasks yourself, then you're stunting the growth of your business and you're not going to have the success that you truly want to have as an authority. So mm-hmm. figure out what you do well, what you don't do well. I mean, there's some things, honestly, that you shouldn't do. I mean, my colleague Alec Mon- Alex Mondozian says, you know, pay others to do things that they play at, but you have to work at essentially. And so you got to decide what that is for you, what's right to offload and what you want to keep yourself. But leverage and outsourcing are two critical things that you need to understand. And a part of leveraging obviously is, is repurposing your content. And I know I'm sure you've talked about that on episodes before, but you know, if you have to start with a blank sheet of paper every time, whether you're writing social media posts or whatever, I mean, you're nuts, you know, record a video, transcribe it, turn it into articles, turn it into blog posts. I mean, it's it just repurpose what you have. Don't start from scratch every time or you will drive yourself crazy. You All right. Have, I, I have, Actually, I've been thinking about that with the podcast. And one of the things that I've done is I now live stream the episodes. Mm-hmm. I didn't do that for, I only just started that recently because that's repurposing content. It's going out to several different platforms then it goes on the podcast you know I get them transcribed I'm going to start making blog posts out of them like it's just such you know take that one piece of content and use it for what it's worth and make it easy for people to promote what you're doing I mean I Mm -hmm. I so appreciated what you did on today's program and so I was able in you know two minutes to blast it out on Facebook LinkedIn Instagram and Twitter because it was you made it easy for me to do so so thank Mm -hmm. you all right, I have, I have one final tip and then we can go on from there or whatever. But uh, big mistake most authors make, honestly, is they do not start marketing other book nearly early enough. Yeah, it's like I'm going to write the book and then I'll figure out what I'm going to do marketing wise. I mean, you need to be build, start building a list a year in advance, six months in advance minimum before you're going to launch a new book out to the marketplace. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy to think you're going to have success if you just get it done and then say, go, I'm now I'm going to turn on marketing. Marketing needs to start way before the book comes out into the place. So you got to get your website up, obviously a website for you and probably for the book independently. Mm-hmm. And you got to start delivering content that people will find interesting and, and hopefully then opt in to be notified when the book releases. So that you have a, a pool of, of ready and eager readers develop before the book comes out even. So do your homework, start marketing way ahead of time. Do not wait to the last minute or you'll really limit your chances for success. The other thing is, is sometimes you're putting out money to have this, this book done, whether, you know, the things you're doing yourself, but the things you have to pay other people to do, why not be earning money by promoting your book and promoting yourself as the author of this book while you're writing it and have the money come in to pay for all this stuff you've got to do to get the book out. Yeah. Great point. Great point. So I mean, those are the eight tips that I picked out to share this morning, but we can probably go on to some others if you want, or we can wrap it up. You're you're the boss. Well, I do want to shift gears. And you know what? I say a huge amen, hallelujah to every point that you have uh, shared with us today, because those are the things that I teach to my clients all the time. And sometimes they get it and sometimes they don't. And you have to explain it to them. 
why because you know it, especially the the book sales people think they're going to make the money from the book sales no you don't make the money from the book sales you make the money from the products and services you sell because of the book and so sometimes it takes a while for my clients to kind of get that into their head but i i love i love that but there's one question and if you're a regular author to authority listener you know where i'm going next every author or potential author that comes on the show gets asked the same question so what has been the good the bad and the ugly of publishing books for you you know i've actually been blessed Kim, and it's mainly been good for me because because of my relationships from handling the back of the room, I got to know a publisher early in the game. Mm. And so because of the, the friendship that I have with that publisher, they pretty well agreed without any issue and any, any hard arm twisting or whatever, that they would publish whatever books that I had written. And oh. so I've used a publisher called Morgan James throughout my career because of yes. the personal relationship. I have with David Hancock, the founder of the company. So, you know, from the first book, which came out in 2007 about the back of the room sales tips on up to the new book that's coming out early 2023 called How to Build a Profitable Speaking Business. Morgan James has done the publishing of all of them with the exception of one small book I wrote that I self-published called Consuming Your Content. It all emphasizes what we talked about, Kim, in terms of the, the importance of relationship marketing. Yes. So my publishing journey has been good. And I don't really have much ugly to talk about other than the horror stories I've heard other people talk about that they've had. Oh, well, thank you so much, Brett. If people have enjoyed this episode, how can they connect with you? And do you have any freebies to give away today? Sure. So the, I mean, the best way to reach me is via the website, brettridgeway.com. And that's Brett with one T and Ridgeway without an E. And if you go there and you're particularly interested in the speaker niche, I have a, a special report I created called Three Key Things Entrepreneurs Must Master to Build a Profitable Speaking Business that I would encourage you to pick up. And if you are interested in any of the books, mistakes authors make or other things I've written, you can find those at brettridgeway.com forward slash books. Information marketing mistake. So that's the good, the bad, and the ugly of that. <laughs> Brett, thank you so much for being on the show. It has been such a pleasure to share this conversation with you. And if you're listening and you enjoyed today's episode, would you do me a favor? Share it out. Let people know about it. If you've got a friend who's an author, you know, tell them about this episode. Direct them to it. It's on YouTube. It, it'll be on LinkedIn, Word Ninja Kim, one of the lives that we did. You can go to authortoauthoritypodcast.com or just direct them to the Author to Authority podcast and because it's available on every major podcast app. So this has been Brett Ridgway and Kim Thompson-Pinder on the Author to Authority podcast. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you on the very next episode. Bye now. You've, You've been, been listening, listening to the, the Author to Authority, Authority podcast. The extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder, has helped over 200 entrepreneurs, professionals, speakers, and coaches write and publish their books that have become incredible marketing tools for their business. And many of those have gone on to become Amazon best-selling authors and have used their books to land high-level clients and get on big stages. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. 
and we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit the website at www.author2authoritypodcast.com. See you next time.